What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy, Acton Academy Placer, and this one's also brought to you by PHP. you got to follow Patrick Bet David, his book coming out, Your Next Five Moves. Uh, sure to be a bestseller and a phenomenal book. And speaking of Patrick Bet David... The man with three names. He is the guest on today's episode. Uh, this guy is. This was definitely one of my favorite conversations, man. Uh, he was a uh, U.S. vet, served in the 101st Airborne. Uh, worked for a couple of traditional companies after he got out, but then he was inspired to launch PHP Agency, uh, which is an insurance sales, marketing, distribution company. And he did all that before he turned 30 years old. And so PHP is now one of the fastest growing companies in the financial marketplace. Uh, Patrick is just all over the place, man. Um, his popularity is just surging. He uh, won the hearts of entrepreneurs all over the world when the life of an entrepreneur in 90 seconds, which was a video he created that accumulated over 30 million views online, uh, later turned it into a book in June of 2016 called The Life of an Entrepreneur in 90 Pages. Uh, since then, he has launched Valuetainment, which is a media brand he conceived and founded. Uh, just a phenomenal individual. You are going to love Love this episode, so give it up for Mr. Patrick Bet David. Two, one, and we are officially live with Patrick Bet David. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing very well, man. Had to comment on how handsome you look. You are well dressed, sir. I, look I wore this tie specifically for you today. You know so what? You You're such a liar, man, and I love it. It's great. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. So I was just speaking before before we jumped on, man. I loved the graduation speech. For the 2020 grads that you just put out the other day, I loved it. I loved it. If you would, you mind summarizing that really quick? Because I'm in, I've been in education for years. I own schools out here, and this is our mindset, man. Would you mind summarizing kind of what you said on that? Yeah, I really don't feel bad for people. I, I don't feel bad for kids that are going through graduating at a time like this. You know, uh, you have so many people. Uh, tr you know, these Hollywood celebrities feeling bad for students and sending messages of, I'm so sorry you have to go through this. I'm so sorry and crying and all this stuff. What, what are you crying for? I mean, listen, if the high of your life is high school, you're a massive failure in life. Nobody grows up to want to be Al Bundy from Married with That's Children. It. There's nothing <laughs> about it. life where you want to look back saying, I miss high school because I was the man. I miss high school because I was all that and then some. You, you don't want that. You want to be able to say, yeah, I had a good time in high school, but let me tell you something. My life really got started after that, not the peak of my life being there. So, you know, that, that's what I really meant about my message to uh, graduates. So good, Patrick. And I, I absolutely love that. What we say here all the time, and I, I build schools. That is what I do. Um, you know, we've got the fastest growing entrepreneurial campus in the entire country that is here. We just purchased another campus. We were rock and roll and putting a number of them here in California, right? That is what we do. And what we talk about all the time is like, look, parents, this is going to be an amazing opportunity for your young people. And they're going to have a great time and they're going to accomplish more than they ever dreamed they could accomplish. They're going to accomplish more than you ever dreamed they could have accomplished. But if this turns out to be the best years of their life, we have massively failed them. We have massively failed them. We need to teach them how to go build a life that matters, build a life that they are pouring into others and, and personal responsible human beings. You know, that is what we are doing here. So I could not agree with you more. I love that you use the Al Bundy example too, man. That is, that is fantastic. I speak in my Some language. of the youngins may not remember Al Bundy, That's but I right. think you remember Al Bundy. That's right. Absolutely. So listen, I wanted to connect with you for a long I've been a, I've been a fan. I, recently, I came upon your work probably about a year ago um, and uh, just a big fan of, of you, your journey. You're a disruptor. You're a thinker. You ask the hard questions. 
questions. Um, you know, so I, I love everything you're doing with Valuetainment, but I also love the journey with PHP and, and kind of disrupting that industry. It's, it's phenomenal. Would you mind, before we jump into, uh, you know, the 11 questions that the youth want to ask, do you mind just kind of giving the Reader's Digest version of your journey? Because it is a, it is a really cool story. Born and raised in Iran, lived there 10 years. We escaped six weeks after Khomeini died. Went to Germany, lived at a refugee camp there for a couple of years, then came out to the States. Uh, went to school, six years, Glendale High School. I joined the Army right afterwards. Went to the 101st Airborne and then uh, got out, wanted to be a bodybuilder, you yeah. know, wanted to go win Mr. Olympia, you know, marry a Kennedy, be a governor, and be in movies one day. <laughs> and uh, I met a Jean-Vierre. I met a girl named Jean-Vierre at Venice Beach, California. We started dating, and she was a uh, the advisor to a lot of the Laker players at the time, and she was working on Morgan Stanley Dean Witter, and she would always pick me up in a different car, and I'd ask her, I said, so, you know, how do you make your money? You got, you know, you're 24, 25 years old, making this kind of money, how do you make your money? She said, I work at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. This is what I do. I said, I want to work there. She says, you don't have a degree. I said, I'm not going to get a degree, but uh, I want to get a job there. She said, they're not going to hire you. Well, long story short, I faxed my resume to 100 different places, Morgan, Merrill, Schwab, Goldman, I mean, fax it to everybody. And yeah. at that time, I didn't know what Goldman was. I didn't know that Goldman would never hire somebody like me. Uh, but I, I was naive about it, and that was beneficial yeah, to me. Yeah, that's a good thing. So on my resume, on the cover letter, I put the best joke I had at the time. And on the bottom of the joke, I said, if you're, like, if you're laughing right now, that's exactly how my clients are going to feel when they do business with me. They're going to love me. If you want somebody like this part of your team, give me a call. I got 30 calls. 15 interview offers, three job offers. I took Morgan Stanley Glendale, day before 9-11. was my first day, got into the industry, got my Series 7, you know, 66, 31, 26. Life and health, left, went to Transamerica. October of 09, started our own uh, insurance company with 66 agents and grew it from 66. Today we have, I don't know, 15,000 agents nationwide, uh, half a million square feet of office space nationwide. Our last convention we had, a uh, year ago, we had the late Kobe Bryant as a guest. We had President Bush, Jordan Peterson, Billy Bean, and others. And uh, that's kind of what happened with uh, the PHP front. So cool, man. Such a great story. Such a great journey. I love the journey of hustle. We talk about all the time. One of the things that, you know, people come to us and they're like, okay, well, are you setting everybody up for college or is everybody, is it college or bust, you know, here at your schools? And so, sure, if you want to play the game, if you want to play the college game and you can give me the reason why it's going to matter. Sure, we'll, we'll teach you how to play the game. By the way, the game is really, really easy to play uh, and, and we can teach you what that looks like. But I wanna know why you wanna play the game because there's so much more to life and, and college is not gonna be the ticket. And that's you know my, my job with working with these companies and working with Fortune 500s around the world. And that's what I keep hearing over and over and over from HR, you know, from hiring managers, from the CEO saying, look, if I just have somebody that's going to help propel the business, somebody that comes in and, and they're able to provide value day one, man, I don't, they've got these skills and they're passionate about getting the skills. I don't care about the degree, right? I just, I want to see that they're bringing something to the table and, and that's what we want for these kiddos. No, I love that, man. I love that story. So want to jump into these, these 11 questions again, no right or wrong. Just want to hear your take on that. And, and, uh, it's always a great story to get everybody's take. So who first one's easy, who inspires you, man? Who are some of the people that you look to? And this could be somebody now that could be, uh, uh, could be family, could be friends, or you could take it more from the context of these people have been mentors to me, uh, as I've kind of gone forward in my business. What would you say to that? Pretty open-ended. For me, it's dead mentors. So I don't know if you're going to see it, that painting all the way back there. Yeah. Those characters, if you see, you got, obviously you got, uh, uh, Joker here, Hulk and Batman. And then you have, uh, in that painting, 
Milton Friedman, who's a Nobel Prize yep. economist, Martin Luther King, Tupac, Senna, myself in the back, Abraham Lincoln, the Shah of Iran, JFK, Einstein, and there's a bunch of different hidden uh, messages in there with books and uh, additional stuff in there. So those are some of the guys I looked up to. And uh, the reason why Shah, because I was born and raised in Iran, uh, Einstein's a math guy. I love numbers. I have a big statue of Einstein in my house. Uh, Milton Friedman's a capitalist. I'm a capitalist. JFK is a guy that uh, uh, pushed the envelope. Mm. And then you have Abraham Lincoln that wasn't afraid to uh, be disliked. And uh, Tupac was a very vocal guy. He was a crusader. And then Senna, the driver, he wanted perfection. He wanted to experience what the closest thing to perfection was. So those guys' story probably inspire me the most. So good, man. One of the things we talk about with our kids here is uh, you know, Think and Grow Rich is, is a foundational book for so many. But one of the best things that I ever took away from that is, is kind of creating your board of directors, right? And that board that you can continue to go to and say, well, what would this person do? How would they look at this problem? How would they solve this, tackle this? Uh, I've always taken that with me. And, and many of mine, much like yours, some of them are dead, some of them are fictional. Um, but the reality is they're people that I go to, you know, uh, to make decisions still on a daily basis. So, yeah, I love that. I might have to add Tupac, too. I mean, that's a, that's a brilliant human being. It doesn't get enough credit for that. So I want to talk about developing self-confidence. So one of the questions we got, again, this was 1,500 youth in our country ages uh, 13 to 22 was our focus group. And so self-confidence is something that um, we talk about as practical. We talk about as attainable, you know, at Acton Academy. So you're a confident individual. Is that something you felt like you always had? Was that something you had to develop? Was that something your parents helped you develop? What did that journey of self-confidence look like for you? So there's a difference between being cocky, arrogant, and confident, mm-hmm. right? So let me explain all of them so this kind of makes sense to you. So if, if I were to do a podcast right now and you told me the questions are going to be about the greatest guitar players of all time, I'm not confident. Mm-hmm. If, if this was an interview to talk about the greatest heavy metal guys of all time, I lack confidence. If we're going to do a, a, a Zoom today or an interview today about the 17 keys to being a great coder, uh, uh, I'm a very insecure guy in those topics when it comes to confidence. There's a difference between being that and then you got cocky as you go to, you go out and you see a girl who's pretty and say, hey, what's up, you know, and yeah. you're kind of faking it, but you're inside, you probably have a lot of insecurities. I understand what it is to be cocky as well. You know, and you can kind of put arrogant in that side. But to me, confident is seen in a different way. I know six-year-olds that are more confident in areas than I am. My, if my eight-year-old's playing video games, you should see how he talks to me. He talks to me from a standpoint of he is the teacher, I'm the student, I'm just listening to him. That's right. That's right. You know, if I talk to my four-year-old daughter about Barbie, I have no clue what she's talking about. But she has so much presence when she talks about Barbie with me because yeah. she's so confident about it. So sometimes the challenge that a lot of the – youngins are going to face is trying to be confident in 50 different areas. And that's a mistake you're going to make. You know, for me, it was about identifying what areas I was wanting to be the best of the best in where I can go in a room with anybody and have a conversation about that specific topic. Like if I were to say to somebody right now, you know, today, DACA, I don't know if you saw what happened with Trump and DACA. Mm -hmm. So, Hey, we're going to talk about DACA today. You're going to have a lot of people that say, what DACA? I don't even know what it means. What were the legislation? What happened during the last administration versus this one? So, but if you take, I took financial. So I I know a lot about bodybuilding up until 21, but one day I go to Las Vegas and I go around a bunch of Mr. Olympia guys 
and I just made a decision. Pat, you're six four, six five. No one's ever won Mr. Olympia at six five frame because for me to compete, I have to be three hundred fifty pounds. My dad's had heart attacks. Do I really want right. my heart to carry three fifty? No. So do I really want to go through the stuff I got to put on my body to get to that frame? I don't want to do it. Yeah. And too many injuries on the back. No. So in that moment, I just know I did not want to be the best in bodybuilding because mm-hmm. that was odds were against me in that area. So then I looked and I said, Pat, you like numbers. I went and uh, invested into a Nike stock, made a few thousand dollars. I was kind of turned on by it. I bought a bunch of penny stocks, made some money. I said, wow, this is pretty interesting here. Then I became enamored with financial services. The movie, you know, Gordon Gecko, Butt Fox, yeah. Wall Street, all these. You know, this is a pretty interesting industry to get into. When, when I got into the financial services, I said, 20 years, I'm going to be in this thing. People try to pull me to loans, mortgages, real estate. I said, 20 years, I'm doing this. Yep. 20 years. So I went all in 20 years. So if you want to talk to me about that, I can hang. If you want to talk to me about business, I can hang. So yeah. confidence to me comes from you choosing to know a lot about one thing because that's your expertise. Then yep. there's a different element of confidence that's character. One is expertise. The other one is character. We just talked about expertise. Let me give you on the character mm-hmm. side. Here's a character side. The character side of confidence is knowing the fact that if you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. So that means you're going to say no to a lot of things. But whatever you say yes to, it's a done deal. I wanted to have a reputation in the marketplace where I wasn't judged by me being Iranian, Armenian, Assyrian, what I look like. You know, when I got into the insurance space as a 30-year-old CEO from Iran, wasn't the the demographic of an insurance CEO. The average CEO at that time was a 62-year-old white male and I'm a 30 year old Middle Eastern male. Mm-hmm. They have degrees and MBAs. I don't even have a four year or a two year. So I wasn't qualified. So I'd walk into a room. They would look at me funny. They thought I was someone's bodyguard. They thought I was someone's security. They didn't know I was the guy that was starting, but I wanted to walk in. I wanted everybody to stop and say, Hey, Pat, man, great. What you're doing. Hey, can I talk about something? I want your help in this area, yep. but I yep. wanted that reputation to be built. So when we started negotiating with big companies like AIG, you know, National Life Group or any of these major insurance companies that are known out there, I wanted to say, we're going to give you this much business and we're going to hit this number. The more I said, and we did, confidence went up and then you have a reputation in the marketplace. So one is skill set. You can know a lot about a lot, but you don't deliver on your promises. That's just one part of it. The other one is you're going to say what you're going to do and it's going to become a reality because you're going to put your back against the wall. These two combined together develop confidence. It's so beautiful. It's speaking, it is absolutely speaking our language. You know, for us, personal responsibility still matters, right? There's a whole lot of collectivist thought that's going on out there. We are teaching our kids, look, personal responsibility matters. What you say is what you do. The kids here operate on covenants and contracts with one another. They develop this, this contract and the contract says, look, I'm Matt. I'm really good at this. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to do this. You, Pat, you're going to do this and focus on that. I'm going to hold you accountable to that, you're gonna hold me accountable to that, and that's how we're gonna move forward together, right? And we're taking on that exact same train of thought. And I love what you're talking about too, with, you know, because when one of the questions is, do you focus on weaknesses or capitalize on strengths? And you know, we have a belief that uh, unless the weakness is something that is absolutely crippling, you want to make sure you're not crippled in any area, so that you're not, uh, you know, struggling because you know a lot about this, but you know, you're struggling with the fact that you can't read, whatever that looks like, that you're not crippled. But other than that. Let's focus on that hero's journey of becoming the best of the best of the best at whatever it is that, that you've been created to do. You know, I love what you're talking. You're talking our language, man. I, I love that. So with this kind of leading on the heels of that, 
anxiety, kind of the opposite of the, of the self-confidence. Anxiety seems to be something that we are seeing, and me being in education, I, I can say I see an overwhelming amount of young people that seem to be more anxious now than generational predecessors. Many of my clients say, look, we're hiring these young people. They seem to have more anxiety, you know, the opposite of confidence around that. Is that something that that you think you have uh, have seen as well? Maybe this younger generation a little more anxious? And if so, what what do you think that is? What do you think that's from? Well, I mean, it, it's what whatever currency you put as the main value, yeah. that's what's going to create anxiety for them. For example, you know, my dad was in town and we were talking about the fact that how do you get your kids to read books? Like yeah. in my family, every cur- anything you want from me comes through books. So, for example, this weekend we went to a Lego store and my kids are like, can we go to the Lego store? I said, absolutely. So we go in and they have to stand in the middle of the yellow. You can't go touch the boxes because of COVID-19 and mm-hmm. very weird stuff. So anyways, we go in. I said, I want this one. Pick it up. I want that one. Great. I want this one. Get it. So my daughter gets an Elsa. My uh, oldest gets a Batman. And a middle one gets this crazy thing that he liked a lot. Big one. He gets that one. So we get it. So awesome. We're going to play these tonight. No, we're not. Yeah, we know, Daddy. We have to earn it. I said, yep. So then they come and they say, what do we have to do to get this? I said, yours was 100 bucks. It's one book per $10. You got to read 10 books. You open up your Lego. Yours is this many, yours is this many, right? So the currency in our house is reading, right? The currency is reading. Anxiety is produced when the currency becomes how many likes you get on an Instagram post or a Facebook post. That produces anxiety because you can't control how other people are going to feel about giving you a certain level of validation. I think that's that's a pressure that's not necessary type of pressure. I don't want to create the kind of pressure that's not necessary. A lot of people ask me and they say, so Pat, are all your kids going to be entrepreneurs? I have no idea what they want to do. I don't know what they want to do. You think they're going to be in the financial industry? Probably not. Do you care? No. What do you care about? I'm just looking at signs to see what's pulling them in. And then from there, I want to put them around the environment to be, you know, my son loves vampires. I've never cared for vampires. No one in our family loves vampires. I don't even know how he found out about vampires. He loves vampires. Go figure. And he loves scary movies, but he gets scared from scary movies. You know, some people watch scary movies, but they don't get scared. And then some people watch scary movies and they get, this guy loves scary movies and he gets scared. Like we hate (laughs) scary movies. He loves scary movies. So one night I'm laying next to him and I said, buddy, what do you think about these scary movies? I said, daddy, I love these scary movies. I said, would you like to go to the school that teaches the best way to make scary movies? I'd love that. I said, you know this guy book that you just read last week, Steven Spielberg? Yeah. I said, you know, he went to the school called USC. And so what's about you? I said, let me show you. So I show him all these videos and stuff. I said, at this place, you know, this Steven Spielberg guy grew up scaring his older sisters. And he put, would put a video to see their reaction of them getting scared. And that's what inspired him to want to make movies. No way. I said, yeah. I said, dad. And because he had read Alfred Hitchcock and I'd read uh, uh, Steven Spielberg at seven years old. He said, daddy, I want to make movies that scare Hitchcock and Spielberg. I said, awesome. <laughs> that's right? awesome. That a middle one could care less. Yeah. He could care less about scary movies and the youngest one could care less about it. So going back to anxiety. Okay. Three topics that I studied a lot because from 2013 to 2014, about a year and a half, I had anxiety attacks every day. I was hospitalized for panic attacks multiple Mm -hmm. times. And I finally, when I read books, I read books based on topics. So meaning I choose, you know, uh, leadership. I buy 20 books, all about 300 reviews, and I go through them, right? If I want to study sales, I buy all the books on Amazon with 300 plus reviews, and I study. If I want to study negotiation. So 
I had one point for a year and a half, all I was studying was depression, anxiety, and uh, um, depression, anxiety, yeah, depression, anxiety, and panic attacks. So I bought everyone the books. Finally, this is uh, what made things crystal clear for me. Every time I was getting anxious is because I was spending way too much time in the future, every single time. So I knew to bring myself back and focus on what I could do today. Every time I was getting down and a little bit like, why am I feeling funky? I'm not a depressed type of guy. This is, this is very weird. It's because I was thinking about a decision I made in the past that I keep thinking, what if I would have done it different? So reliving an old mistake doesn't produce excitement. So if, I, if I'm depressed, I'm living in the past. If I'm anxious, I'm living in the future. So today, pre-K to 12, what are they spending a lot of time thinking about? Future. What does future produce? Anxiety. What do you have to focus on today? You focus on today, you'll minimize a lot of the anxiety that a lot of kids are experiencing today. So good, man. Sage advice. And I thank you as, as an educator. I thank you because these are the these are the kind of messages we are we are wanting to bring home to our parents. These are the messages we are wanting to bring to our kids. And I also want to thank you as a father too, because uh, you know, one of one of my biggest roles is not just empowering the kids while they are here and and helping them on their hero's journey, but it's helping the parents on their journeys as well, especially as they are parenting, you know, and, and I tell the story all the time. My so mine are my, my children are nine, seven and four. They're the reason I'm building the schools that I'm building. Um, and you know, my girls are nine and seven. They came to me years ago and said, dad, I want a pony. I want a horse. I was like, that's great. That sounds great. I have no interest in horses, but if you want a horse, you're going to need to buy a horse. You buy a horse. I'll make sure we have a house that we can put some horses. And so, you know, fast forward now, two years later, uh, just, just this past, uh, about three months ago, we had to move to a ranch because my nine and seven year olds, based on their businesses. Every student here has a business that we are helping them run and, and either a new business every year or taking it into perpetuity based on saving, based on some other hustles they did, they were ready to buy their horses, right? And that's a big deal. And the pride they took in that, um, you know, was huge, but the lessons they take in that, uh, and, and they're the most self-confident, you know, anti-anxious young kids that I know too. So thank you for that for from a dad standpoint too. It's very cool. So what do you still do physically? That is one of the questions too. Physical, the, the, the physical fitness, obviously that's still something that's important to you. You're no longer going after the Olympia, um, but it's still something I imagine, even with your busy set schedule, it's something that you're fitting in uh, on a daily basis, I would imagine. I was at the gym this morning doing my cardio and doing my weights. Okay. I have to because right now it's not about impressing others. Right now it's purely about stamina and yep. energy and being able to last with multiple businesses and yeah. three kids and family and all that. So I was at the gym this morning. I yes. Love I love Exercise it. is a very big part of my life. I love that. Love that. So this next question here is about real world advice. So it's kind of the, the old saying goes, you know, the kids come through and they learn that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, right? But they don't learn that anything that matters in school. And that's part of what we're trying to alleviate here. So the youth is asking, Hey, we don't get a lot of financial advice coming out of traditional schools. You're obviously in the finance industry, so this could go a million different ways. But let's just say your kids right now, they're 18, they're graduating, go out into the world, and they're like, Dad, before I go, what is that one single piece of advice for me as a young person going out into the world, one single thing to keep in mind when it comes to financial, uh, financial literacy? What would you say to that? Did you say financial literacy? Yes, sir, or I did, financial. Specific to money? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big saver. I know yeah. it's not a, not a thing that a lot of people are talking about today, yeah. but let me explain to what I mean by I'm a big saver. So, uh, uh, my first business PHP was financed by me. And the way I made the money is I worked at a different company and I saved my money until I could start the company. And when I had a half a million dollars in a bank and a lot of my friends were buying in exotics and cars and homes and $2 million homes, 
I took that half a million and I put it into a business. Those friends of mine that bought the exotics and the homes, they didn't have the money to start a business. So when 2008 crash came and the market tanked 38%, in 09 is when I started my own insurance company. Yep. And that half a million turned into $250 million. Fast forward, you know, whatever, right. uh, 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 10 years later, because I stayed liquid. I didn't have to give up a lot of equity up front. And then I didn't have, I didn't have to worry about giving up controls to somebody else. I've been the majority owner from day one till today, and that hasn't changed. So. If, if you're somebody that wants to do something big long-term, if you start setting aside cash, I know a lot of people today are saying cash is trash and all this other mess. You have to be very careful at what phase. You know, a lot of billionaires say cash is trash. To a billionaire, cash is trash. Yeah. But to a 16-year-old, a 25-year-old, and a 30-year-old getting started, cash is king. When you're worth a few hundred million, you don't want to have money sitting in a cash account. That is trash. But when you're young, you don't have any cash to make any kind of decisions. Yeah. Cash is king today. Go I get your own that. cash and make some decisions. I love that. One of my one of my closest mentors, probably my closest mentor in business, is a billionaire, and he for himself right now is it's he wants the cash to work for him. But he says, look at this stage of the business where it's at. As we're putting more campuses, cash is king. We need to pay attention to it. So different different stages of that. Yep, absolutely. So this next question, question six, hard work. Hard work is, is somewhat hard to define, but the way we phrase it is if a young person, 18, they're coming out of high school and they go, Patrick, we want to come work at PHP. We love what you're doing. Um, I've got to be there for you. What do you want to see from that young person? Do you want them sending you a resume and putting a joke on there? What do you want to, what do you want to see from them as they're coming in and saying, look, I want to come work for you? I'll tell you one thing. This kid here, Kai, he came here from Norway. He yeah. applied for a resume three years ago. And... He said, I want to work for you. I said, why do you want to work for me? I says, I live in Norway. I said, I said, we get thousands of emails yep. about people wanting to work here. And we, we, we always give them a massive challenge that they cannot do. So those who do, we give them a little bit more attention. So I want to be able to do this. I need you to do this, 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 this. Never hear back from them. That was the filter. Yep. And it was perfect. So now they never contact us back because we now know what you're made up of. You wanted it easy. So we told this guy what to do. He flew from Norway to do his job interview on his own money. I'm like, what? He came here on his own money? Yeah, he came out here. So, okay, great. Impressive guy. Sat down. I said, I need you to present to us what you would do. And he presented. And he says, I'll do anything. We brought him here on a, 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 a you know, whatever hourly basis. And he grew to what it is today. And he's now a big part of it. But he showed. And originally when he came, he wasn't a worker. Meaning he was like 530, 520, 510 type of stuff. That's yeah. not. That's a wrong environment with us because we're seven and we're eight, nine, ten type of a place. And then all of a sudden I noticed he can hang a little bit more and a little bit. And then he's shown up Saturdays, which is impressive. And then you start really learning. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if somebody was young, you know, most of the time we will filter them out yep. and they'll have to really prove themselves before they get a job here. And then those who make the filter were impressed. And we definitely want to consider those guys over their peers. But uh, there will be a filtering process. I can tell you. From my standpoint, uh, giving feedback to young kids that are 18-year-olds that are coming out and want to know what, the, what they want to do next, four things saved me. Number one, and again, this I cannot even believe this topic is being debated today in the marketplace. Hard work isn't good. And, you know, it's yeah. work smart, not work hard type yeah. of stuff. Bill Gates said in the first 20 years of his career, he never once took a vacation. Yep. And that story is very uh, similar to Zuck, similar to a lot of these big time names, Musk's, all these guys you hear about, these guys worked their tails off, worked their tails off, right? To get where they're at. Hard work is phase number one. 
out improving is phase number two, meaning my idea was I'm going to outwork you, but that's not enough. If you read more than I do and you develop yourself, I can't compete with you. So I got to outwork you and I got to out improve you, but that's still not enough. Then you may have better strategies than me. I can't compete against you. So I got to out strategize you as well, but that's still not enough because the last one is the scariest one. And the last one is what gave me a lot of confidence. Here's what it was. The last one was outlasting. Unfortunately, most people cannot hang. Most people fatigue, most people stamina, and most people, they just need a little bit of success to slow down. And I told all my competitors, all the success in the world is not going to slow me down, and I'm not going to stop. And I'm just not going to stop. And eventually, you're going to have to make a decision whether you want to make a run with me for 50 years, or you're eventually going to say, listen, man, I have a decent life. Who cares about this crazy Patrick guy? Let him do what he wants. I don't want to have his life. I'm just happy. I'm just good doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Perfect. That is a form of not being able to last. So, mm -hmm. you know, we got a guy at the White House right now that is 70-some years old, most hated man on the planet. But many of his competitors cannot stand him because he's still competing at 75 That's years right. old. What the hell is wrong with That's you? Right. Think about a 75-year-old man that is still competing yeah. and all these other people are getting irritated. So it drives competitors nuts. So if you're watching this and you're pre-K, 18, whatever it is, or you're 18 leaving and you really want to compete in the marketplace, if you can do those four things, the market's going to favor you a ton. So good, man. Relentless. Uh, Tim Grover's book, Relentless, was one of our, that's one of our go-tos, must-read for, especially for our high school students, right? And it talks about, you mentioned the late, great Kobe Bryant. It talks about Michael Jordan. It talks about those mindsets of like, look, there is, there is no time off. Not only do I want to win, I want to dominate, and I'm going to do it for the long haul. And that's where greatness is truly achieved. I love that. That gives me, it gives me chills listening to you describe that. You know, and people ask me, well, when's the last time you took a day? I'm like, I, literally, I have not had a full day off. It's got to be at least five years. Um, and I love it that way. And that's a good thing, you know, and I enjoy that. Um, and there's a little bit of a maniacal kind of uh, mindset around that. And, and I don't think that's a bad, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I think we, we, we're the ones that are going to make some waves. I love that, man. Um, one of your guests, one of your past guests, somebody that, that we're fans of here, Jocko Willink. Uh, one of the rules, you know, in our house, we have 11 rules uh, at my house at home. And one of those is discipline equals freedom. And that's one of the things that Jocko says and, and talks about what is something that you're disciplining yourself around that maybe you don't actually love might not actually be something that you, you fully enjoy, but it's something you're developing discipline around, or maybe something you had to develop discipline around doing because you knew it was a means to an end. You didn't really love it, but you're like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and push forward on that anyways. Saving money is so annoying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so annoying because you know, you know, you have the money to buy something, but you're not doing it. That's so annoying because yeah. temptation, you know what, why not? Why shouldn't I reward myself? Why shouldn't I do that? You know, the discipline of saving money has probably allowed me to be where I'm at right now to the point where now I went and bought a, you know, hockey card, the greatest hockey card in the world. It's a Wayne Gretzky rookie card, PSA 10 OPG. It's a million dollars. There's only two of them in the world. I own one of them. Uh, who cares about a rookie card that's worth a million bucks? I do. You know, yeah. who cares about having a, you know, a... Uh, rookie card of Babe Ruth, you know, PSA graded eight. Who cares about that? I do. Why? I grew up collecting $5 baseball cards and I was excited about a $5 baseball card. Yep. I grew up collecting these cards and it was crazy. I was crazy about it. So for me later on, I also said, when I stay disciplined with money, I also have splurge accounts where I get to do what I want to do, 
but I'm already at a point where I can use some of my money to do what I want to do that's fun to me. Even the baseball cards still make me money. None of my baseball cards have ever lost me money. That's what's crazy about it. That's awesome. There's still a form of investment. So yeah, I would say the hardest thing to do when you have money is to not spend all of it. Not spend all. I agree. Yeah, no, that's really good. So one more, one more, I think is the toughest, the kind of the coolest question of the bunch. And then the last two are very, very easy. So question number eight, what is a piece of common knowledge? Something that everybody knows is true. But Patrick Bet David says, yep, I, I, I'm completely counterculture on that. I absolutely disagree. And so to give you an example, so me as a career educator, you know, everybody knows you got to go to college to be successful. And I actually think it's a bad move for the majority of the individuals, you know, and so I'm very counterculture in that way. That's an easy example. But what is some way that you're, you're counterculture to a, a common thought? Oh, my gosh. I have a lot of I know you do, which I'm I like. Uh, 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 listen, for me. I mean, you could remind me more than I, education is one of them politically yeah. where uh, uh, making sure everybody's happy is another one. Yeah. You know, uh, today kids coming out of high school, not believing in capitalism and, you know, wanting to share money with everybody. I'll give you one story about this. <laughs> one of my guys that work with me, African-American guy who's a doctor, one of my favorite guys in the company. He, uh, he's a guy who believes in socialism. He's not a full capitalist guy, right? And at that time, he was making $50,000 a year, $100,000 as an educator. And he came on board, started working with me. And he was still not a full capitalist. The word capitalism to him just brought out, you know, dark things. And I'm the guy that's constantly talking about capitalism. So one day I said, uh, he says, Pat, I don't think, he says, I think we need to redistribute wealth. I said, tell me why. He says, why should some people be rich? I said, you, you, so somebody works harder than another person. Why, why should somebody be rich? I said, let me ask you a question. What's your definition of American dream? He defines it to me. I said, do you think you can force somebody to live the American dream? I think we can make it better. So everybody, I said, so define success. Success is when everybody's doing okay financially. I said, well, that's a fantasy because mm -hmm. that ain't never going to happen. You know, if that's your success, you're setting yourself up for failure because what you're saying is you can control people and make them do what you don't want them to do. Some people just don't want to work that hard. Some just want says, well, I don't know about that. I just think, I said, okay. One day he gets like a $20,000 bonus check and I called him. I said, look, you know, you've really changed my heart. You know, I've really been thinking a lot about what you've been doing lately. It's really starting to rub off on me. He says, I told you, I knew you were going to get it. I said, look, so here's what's going to happen. You got a $20,000 check, but I, I just feel bad that one person is going to get it. So what I'm doing is I'm taking this $20,000 check and I'm going to give to the top 10 people in your organization that did it the most. And I'm going to do $2,000 a person. And because I just think it's the right thing to do. You know, we got to redistribute. That's not cool that one person gets a big check like that. 10 second pause. <laughs> I said, uh, how come you're not saying anything? He said, well, I worked my ass off for that 20,000. I said, I agree. Why do you want me to give it to the other 10 people? I don't, but that's what you want everybody else to do. So let me get this straight. You want to redistribute everybody else's wealth, but not your wealth. Do you realize the challenge with this year? I was about to force you to give your money to other people. <laughs> Turns around and says, well, no, that does kind of make sense. I get it. I said, enjoy your $20,000. Right. You earned it. So, you know, to me, it's a lot of stuff. You know, when you're younger, man, emotionally, people can get to your head and totally screw with your head and confuse the hell out of you. Yeah. I'll tell you, long term, if you want to make history, and if you're willing to work harder than your peers, capitalism is going to make sure to protect you 
So the world's going to know who you are going to be. Now, if you're somebody that's watching and saying, I have no idea, no desire to work as hard as my peers, I can understand why you may not like capitalism. That's exactly right. Yeah. We worked with, uh, last year, we worked with Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla and uh, a couple other guys to put out a film called No Safe Spaces. And we were talking about, uh, you know, the, the fact that capitalism is, is the C word. I mean, that is one of, there was, there was a kind of a longer tail narrative of the movie, but capitalism is, is the, the, that's the C word when you're talking about higher education. You know, it's something now that a lot of these kids are going in there and they're being turned into this socialist ideals. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of that stuff play out in a number of different ways right now. And it's, it's, it's a scary place. Yeah, I love that. It's a great story. I don't, I don't blame that guy at all. Uh, last two questions. These are very, very easy. Legacy quote. You know that you're going to be gone tomorrow. You're going to have to put your legacy quote on your headstone. And this is what's going to be the last thing that people remember that you have said. It can be a sentence that something you say, something that you, you got from somebody else. What's that legacy quote going to be for Patrick Bet David? Sometimes God puts a Goliath in your life to bring out the David in you. Oh, I love that. Sometimes that. God will put a Goliath in your life to bring out the David in you, and you gotta be okay with that. It's gonna be annoying, but something's about to happen. You it's gotta, a, you gotta welcome it. That's a good thing. Everything was, everything was good for David on the other side of of slinging that slingshot, man. Anybody else people should be following, and the way we ask it is anybody else you would recommend we put up on this podcast because these people are rocking and rolling, moving and shaking, and and some people that uh, the youth would benefit from hearing from. I mean, there's a there's a lot of them. there's I mean, a lot we, we've uh, we've uh, for the youth to hear from. I can think about it and get back to you, but there's a lot. Of, you know who would be good? Mm. Uh, Ryan Holiday would be very good right. if, if you're yeah. able to get Ryan Daily Holiday Stoic. to. Yeah, if you can get him to talk about the uh, the one uh, book, uh, not ego is the enemy. Obstacle um, is the way. Obstacle is the way. If you can get him to speak, I think kids need to hear that. Um, you know, some of those guys will be good to talk to because the, the biggest thing for, for, for kids at that age is to know that, listen, if, you, if your message is personal responsibility, mm -hmm. you get to control your life based on the decisions you make. And it's more on you. Nobody owes you anything. So anybody that has that message, I would put in front of those, uh, in front of the kids. That's a great one, man. He's that's the, uh, we had Mike Marjama, former major league baseball player who was on the podcast and that was his recommendation too. So we'll have to reach out to Ryan and, and see what we can do. And actually kind of fun fact, Ryan graduated from a high school that's about 15 minutes away from from our campus here too. So nice. um, yeah, so we're gonna have to reach out to him. That would be a, that would be a great one. Obstacle of the Way is one of my favorite books for sure. Um, so where do people go to, to find more about you? And please talk about the, uh, the the book coming out as well. We're excited. I'm excited to read that's that. Right. Yeah. So uh, uh, your next five moves is a book I wrote uh, that's going to be coming out August 18th. Master in the Art of Business Strategy. The reason why I wrote this was, you know, one day I woke up and in the morning. I had a phone call from uh, my mom that said, what kind of a son are you? All you care about is your business and you don't call anymore. You used to call me all the time and what happened and all this, what happened to my little Patrick and all this other stuff, right? The guilt factor, 6 a.m. Then I get a text from my girlfriend at the time that says, you know, I don't think this is working out. You know, you're working too hard. We're not spending enough time together, et cetera, et cetera. That's the second text, still 6 a.m. by the way. <laughs> and I got an email from my top sales guy that told me he's leaving me yeah. to go to another company. And then I get my big client that I had just written that week, canceled all that week. That entire segment was five minutes, okay? This is 6.05 when this happens. I'm laying there asking myself one question. What do I do next? Meaning, in what sequence do I first call my mom? 
Do I first call my girl? Do I text her? Do I contact the client immediately? Do I call the sales guy? Do I call the people that work with the sales guy? What do I do first? And I said, you can have 10 different people in that situation. And these 10 different people could take 10 different approaches to the same exact situation, but one of them is going to do it in the right sequence. Mm -hmm. What can I do to be thinking like this guy? This is why the whole idea of your next five moves came out because when you think about chess, grandmasters typically know their 10 or 15 next moves. And most people in the world today, if you ask them right now, uh, what are your next five moves? They will look at you like clueless, not knowing what they want to do yep. because they don't think about that kind of stuff. They just think about what they're going to be doing today. And so I want people to start thinking about their next five, 10, 15 moves. And I share my formula of how I've done it. That's worked for me in my uh, life. And it's a, you know, a lot of my failures are in this book. So that's why I decided to write this book. And if somebody wants to get a chapter before this comes out, August 18th, if you go to yournextfivemoves.com, spelled out, yournextfivemoves.com, you buy, a ch- you buy the book, you'll get a chapter sent over your way for you to read. So, But uh, go to yournextfivemoves.com to order the book. So excited, man. I've got a copy coming for every one of my staff members and, and some of our parents and things too. It's going to go in our library here. So very, very excited to read it, man. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And then, of course, Patrick Bet David on, on, uh, on YouTube, on Instagram, but also Valuetainment. Uh, one of the only one of the only podcasts that I subscribe to. I only got a handful, and that is absolutely one of them. One of my one of my absolute favorites was listening to it while I was working out this morning as well. So, Brother, thank you for your support. Man, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time pouring into our youth. I appreciate all you're doing with everything, my friend. There you go, man. That was a super fun episode right there. Um, be sure to follow him uh, on all of those links mentioned. Check him out. He's very active on Twitter, very active on uh, Instagram. You find some really good stuff there. Uh, so definitely follow him there. Get that book, Your Next Five Moves. Uh, again, he's got that. We've got a bunch coming here for uh, for our employees. And um, I definitely would recommend also subscribing to Valuetainment. A lot of good stuff. Very much worth your time. Speaking of subscribing, thank you for doing so to this podcast as well. Please feel free to share. Let everybody know uh, and continue to spread the word about what we are doing here. So until next time, thanks, guys.